You're listening to The Interrobang Room, a podcast that challenges individuals to be passionately curious. My name is Douglas Witherup, and I'm the senior pastor to the Multiply family of churches. Join us as I sit down with industry leaders as we laugh, converse, and sometimes debate our way through how to approach life with a spirit of discovery and adventure. Hi, welcome to the Aterabang Room. I'm your host, Doug Witherup. I'm here today with John Hernandez and Ashley Kramer sitting in for Zach Witt. Ashley, it's great to have you. It's great to be here. And uh, great to have a female voice in the, in the room and mixing things up a little bit. We're already in episode five, and we've been doing a little bit of a mini-series these past three weeks. So we've been talking about the power of synthesis, the power of synthesis. So synthesis, what is it? Are we missing it in our lives? And how, if we recapture this, could it actually be a, a key to uh, creativity and unlocking our future? And today is the power of reflection. So let me just back up and catch everybody up to speed a little bit. Our brains are most alive when we are involved in analysis or synthesis. So when, so basically analysis, when we're taking things apart, synthesis, when we're putting things back together, we've been talking about this is uh, all what, what puzzle putting together is. So in analysis, you take out all the pieces, you're uh, uh, separating them by color and different things like this. Uh, John, I'm just curious, are you a puzzle person? Is your family, does your family put together puzzles? Yeah, the funny thing about puzzles, it's always been a part of our family culture. Like, even as a young kid, my parents would open up these huge puzzles and drop them out and we would all play a role in it. I'm actually really good at puzzles. Like, I think it's a connection between the visual because of my creative side and just because I'm a very visual person and uh, just able to see sometimes with the shapes and everything. The funny thing with puzzles is when they're not in front of me, I forget all about them. So like in COVID season, it seems like it's puzzle season again. And I've gone over to my mom's house a couple times and she's busted up these huge puzzles and her and my dad and my brother-in-law. And now my boys are getting into them again as we get further and further into this uh, stay-at-home order. And um, yeah, I, I, I really do like puzzles. So you dump the box out. Step one, what do you what do? you do? What's your first step? Um, normally what I do is I flip all of the puzzle pieces so that I can see the color and the shape. Okay, that's, step that's two. Critical. See the box. Like I flip the box over so I can always see the picture. It's critical. I, I think people forget that. Yeah, but is that your second step? Uh, usually. Just okay. I want to put that in a good place all right. and then start finding the edges. Okay. Ashley, are you a, are you a puzzle puzzles. person? Nope. I am a puzzle person. I have to like, control myself though because unlike John if I have a puzzle going I can't do anything else <laughs> so I have to have like six hours of undivided time to gotcha. be able to do a puzzle so I have not done any puzzles this season but I'm not a visual person like John is so the first thing I do after I dump the pieces out is separate the edges from the rest and then I don't even flip over the middle pieces Crazy. until I've got oh, the wow. whole edge outline put together so I'm not a puzzle person, and I've been reminded of that during this season <laughs> because I attempted the first puzzle in, I don't know, 30 years of my life, other than when I had a Peanuts puzzle that had five pieces to it when I was younger. And I was like, 
it's, you know, shelter at home, I'm gonna do a puzzle, and it's been lying there for eight weeks, it's a third of the way done, 500 pieces, I am not interested in finishing it whatsoever, now it's clutter, we'll talk about <laughs> more about that, but for those of you that are puzzle people, analysis and, th and synthesis, so the first part of your puzzling, puzzle putting together experience, separating colors, all of that kind of stuff, edges, and then the synthesis, putting things together. The problem that we've been talking about that in, in most of our lives is that we don't do synthesis. As a culture, just like we don't do synthesis. And, and what ends up happening in our lives is that you have what I have in my downstairs den. You got a puzzle that is all these fragments of your life and your brain, things that you've started that you've never connected. And could you actually, by not engaging in synthesis, could you actually be missing some really good segments of your life that could, if we, if we put these together. So, so how do you do synthesis? Well, you do it uh, basically by doing three things. You sleep well, you play well, and you reflect well. You sleep well, you play well, and you reflect well. So two episodes ago, we talked about sleep. Last week, we talked about play. I encourage you, if you haven't listened to those episodes, if you're just now discovering us, hit pause, go back, listen to those two episodes, and that will catch you up. So uh, kind of one of the premises that I want to talk about today is that um, again, we, 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 as a culture, we don't do synthesis well. So most people just jump from one thing to the other. We don't take time to pause. Uh, we don't take time to reflect. And um, so I want to throw that out to you guys. Ashley, true or false, as a culture, we're not good self-evaluators. We, we probably don't spend proper time in reflection. Uh, true or false, and then and then why or why not? I would say true, but I hesitate to speak for more than just myself. But when I was thinking about this, I realized there are so many times, really pre-COVID, that I would not know that something was wrong until someone else said, hey, you look like maybe you're not feeling that great. John actually did it once, and he, he said, I've learned never to tell a woman that she looks tired, but are you okay? <laughs> and then I started crying, but I actually, before that moment, had no idea wow. how stressed out I was because there were things going on in my family. There were things going on at work. There were just a lot of areas that were stressful, but it I hadn't thought about all of that and realized maybe I need to take a step back and rest until someone else pointed that out. And then suddenly it was like a light yeah, bulb went off. That's really interesting. John, what did, what's your perspective on that? Uh, I don't think we're good evaluators. Um, it it kind of goes back to the puzzle. Uh, I, I, I need the picture. And I think culturally we have really bad pictures. I think uh, a, a good self-evaluation requires a healthy sense of what it should be. And I think between social media influences, between just misinterpretations of what, what's kind of happening around us. We have a tendency of measuring ourselves up, evaluating ourselves up on things that really don't matter. And then the things that do matter, we don't have the capacity to even really have a good assessment, the assessment tools that are necessary. Right. So yeah, I don't, I don't think we're good right now. 
Yeah, and I, and I would absolutely agree with that. I think that pre-COVID, it the culprit was busyness, mm-hmm. and post-COVID, the culprit is distraction. Mm-hmm. And I think that you could weave both of those together, right? It's not like we weren't distracted before COVID, and it's not like some people are not over busy after after COVID, but. Um, busyness and distraction can kind of keep us from just those times of pausing and reflecting, evaluating. Uh, I talked a little bit about this yesterday. So uh, again, if you stumbled across this podcast, we're, we're pastors, so we're part of the Multiply family of churches. And I hit this yesterday in a message. We've been going through this message series called Exiting COVID Better on the Other Side. Exiting COVID Better on the Other Side. And what I talked about was I think that actually as a society, as a global society, we're in the middle of three Uh, simultaneous crises. The first two we're very aware of, and then I think that there's actually a silent crisis that we're undergoing that not a lot of people are aware of. And that's what I really want to hit today. But the first crisis is the health crisis. This is real. And um, we're all walking through this COVID-19. The second is the economic crisis. Again, this is very real, affecting millions of people. We're walking through that. Here's what I would say that the silent crisis is. The silent crisis is that we're going to waste this crisis and we're not going to evaluate. And you just fill in the blank there. So evaluate your life, evaluate your marriage, evaluate how you're raising your children, evaluate uh, maybe you're a leader or a pastor, evaluate your church, evaluate your business. Just again, fill, fill in the blank. And my, honestly, my, one of my greatest quote, fears during this season is that we're going to miss an opportunity to make significant, lasting change in our lives. And this doesn't just happen. This doesn't just happen, right? So all the average people, all the the normal people, um, most most people are just going to drift back in. So things are going to start opening up. We're here in North Carolina. We got a Uh, Some news from our governor and most states are in varying degrees of opening back up. So uh, as restaurants open back up, as places of worship, as movie theaters, as as entertainment, sports, kids activities, schools, all of that. Most people, I think, are just going to drift back into doing the same thing the same way they've done it. And they're going to miss this opportunity of evaluating everything in your life. And what what I've been saying is now now is the time to evaluate. Now is not the time to be distracted. Now is the time to evaluate everything in your life and come out of this thing on the other side with renewed priorities. Um, John, what, what have you found yourself both personally maybe and, and as a leader of an organization? Um, what's, what type of things have you found yourself trying to evaluate during this season? I mean, right now, and Ashley's laughing as I say this, we're evaluating everything at its core level. Um, you know, our church is in a incredibly um, uh, exciting place and season. There's new things God is birthing, but we are just fine-tooth comb, like walking through everything we do from day to day, what Sunday looks like, what groups looks like across the board. So from a... Um, from a organizational place, that's kind of our evaluation. And that process requires quite a bit of prayer, but then also making sure we have the right people in the room to make those evaluations and creating the culture that is good with that type of evaluation, because I think that that's important. And then me personally, 
Um, just, well, let's hit, sorry. let's hit pause there and talk about that a little bit more because you guys are, are both on, on staff at the same church, Center City Church. And just to give our listeners a little bit of context, um, so David Dukasen planted this church 10 years ago, yep. was uh, the founding pastor, the planning pastor, pastored it all the way up until last June. And so it's almost been a year. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It was a year um, ago today that the Dukasons told me that they were stepping down. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, right at, right at a year. So Leadership 101 is if you're the guy that follows the guy, you don't come in day one and say, hey, sweeping changes <laughs> across the organization, right? And you can apply that in whatever context. A lot of you are not pastors, but maybe you're uh, a manager in an organization or a leader in an organization. And so you've been implementing um, incremental changes, but now you're really in, you've hit that year, uh, point. And again, during this season. So like, what are, what are some of those things? Could you do a little bit of a, a deeper dive into what, what, like, I know you say everything, maybe pick one or two that you're really saying, Hey, this is on the table of deep dive evaluation. Yeah. So, uh, let's, let's take something that's probably a little simple. Um, well, simpler than some of the other complexities that we're walking through, uh, groups and the groups, the way that groups are navigating. So we, walked into COVID where um, groups were a big part of our push in culture development over the last year. Um, Ashley has done a phenomenal job for church our size. I'm not sure I understand. Siri making an <laughs> appearance again. Absolutely. Um, but for a church our size, uh, she's doing a great job. A good percentage of our people are in groups. COVID has forced us to move to a digital only, of course, like everybody else. Well, Going back to normal would be shut that down and go back to what we were doing. And what we're finding is we're seeing growth in groups. We're seeing more engagement in groups. And some of that is because it is digital. So now we're saying, again, through that evaluation process, how do we, as we navigate back, and I don't even like that word back, but as we navigate forward. into forward into this new season, right. what does it look like to engage and create systems where people can engage face-to-face, but then also create a digital portal by which other people who are out of state, homebound, maybe work really uh, um, in, a, in a weird space where they can meet online, but they couldn't meet face-to-face, like... So that's just one of a lot of areas where we're, where we're evaluating, saying, what is God saying? What's new? And how can we present something and, and, and rewire what we've been doing to be more effective moving forward? So Ashley, you've got a d- little bit of a different uh, perspective of this and a cool one because you've been at the church for uh, multiple years, years yeah. for, for those 10 years. Mm-hmm. But you, so you've seen the birthing, the growth, um, the transition, and yeah. now you're leading. Tra- you're leading transition, no, it's crazy. and you're leading it from a from a second chair, right? So mm-hmm. from an associate uh, a leadership position in the organization, and yet you're the point person for groups. So you've got um, direct leadership over that. What are What are some things that, uh, from your vantage point, that you've seen of of how you've tried to use this season specifically and say, "All right, everything's on the table. Let's let's evaluate." Yeah. Kind of going along with what John was saying, I think one of the things that I look back to pre-COVID is this idea of kind of the tyranny of the urgency that especially just meeting in person on Sundays, a lot of times there would be things that I wanted to do as far as leading my group leaders well, investing in them really well, that something would happen that we needed to have this and this and this in place for Sunday morning. And I just don't think that I would prioritize well for the the big picture long-term 
And so this has been a great time to think back and and just kind of think through what do we want this experience to be like for someone who's leading a group and how do we invest in our group leaders in a way that allows them to invest in their people, even if they're in these hybrid groups of some people can meet in person and some people can't. And so one of the things that we've started doing is actually touching base with all of our leaders once a week, which beforehand I would have been like, whoa, that's, that's way too often. I don't have time for that. They sure. don't have time for that. And that may not last on a weekly basis. Right once things start to pick up a little bit, but just being more intentional and engaged with leaders is really helping, and they're awesome. Like, it's such a fun job, because they're just rock stars, and they are just really loving the people in their care so well, even though it looks so different than what yeah. they signed up for. Yeah, absolutely. Let me back up. I think that was really uh, interesting, what you, what you talked about. Um, you said, I was stressed out, and I didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's jump now from organizational evaluation to personal to that yeah. self-analysis, self-care, reflection. Um, what do you think what do you think are were some of the causes of like if you view um, maybe some you have a dashboard uh, in front of you and so you're driving and hopefully you're keeping a little bit of an eye on your gas gauge mm-hmm. and your speed. And, you know, less of an eye on your battery because you usually just assume that's charging unless it's not. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, but like, so if you're, if you're kind of viewing, viewing the dashboard of your life, um, what, are, what are some categories of those gauges that you would say, hey, I need to keep an eye on this gauge or I need to keep an eye on that gauge so I'm, I'm more aware of, mm-hmm. hey, I may be a little bit more stressed than I thought. Yeah, I think for me the biggest one is rest. And I can't really talk about this without kind of skipping forward to what you talked about yesterday with how we kind of have three boxes of what's essential in our life, what's important, and what is clutter. And I think what had been happening for me before is that even though I would tell you that something might be clutter and not as important, I was living like it was essential without taking the time to think through it. And then what is essential, which would be honoring the Sabbath, taking time to rest, to reflect and enjoy God, was just kind of a good idea that I would tell everyone else to do, but not necessarily something that I was practicing. And so for me, that's like the biggest gauge. Everything else comes into the idea that I wasn't taking time to set good boundaries and to rest, um, which hopefully I'm getting better at. It's still a struggle to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think that a lot of leaders would, would identify with that. Um, John, what are, what are some of those gauges for you that you try to, uh, be aware of and keep an eye on, um, in, in times of reflection, just personally? Um, like a lot for me, it's attitude. If I, if I find like my attitude's unhealthy, um, the way that I respond to my kids, the way that I'm responding to my wife, um, the way I respond at work, even in the conversations that I have, if I find myself snapping, um, that's a big gauge for me to say there's some things off. And, um, you know, hopefully I've learned as I've gotten older just how to navigate that with a little bit more um, respect and honor because I want to make sure that I'm honoring my bosses. I want to make sure that I honor my wife and I'm honoring my kids. Um, but my, my, my attitude a lot of times is a big barometer of engagement. And then um, my body will tell me. M- more often than not, um, if I'm coming home at five o'clock and I'm totally drained, then um, there's something not right. You know, I should have something left in the tank, 
specifically to play with my boys, to have those conversations that are deep with my wife. Um, and if my body's not letting me do that, if I'm finding my, my brain shutting down and I'm not able to give what I need to give, um, and there's been seasons where that's, that's shorter and shorter. So like one o'clock in the afternoon or 12 o'clock after lunch, I'm like done for the rest of the day. <laughs> then that's an indicator that there's something off. So how do you do that practically? What does that look like uh, of just the rhythm of your day or your week? What are, if you're in a good rhythm of taking time to reflect and evaluate practically, what does that look like? Well, for me, um, it's, it's a little bit different. There's been seasons of my life and, and um, seasons of my life where it was, I was up early, could open up my, my Bible um, my journal, I'm reflecting, I'm considering the day, which I think is an important part of reflection. I think it's, it, there's a part where you want to reflect on what the Lord's saying. You want to reflect on his voice and prayer. But then there's also times where you want to sit down and practically just, what am I doing today? What are some of the things? I, I don't know how many times you've walked into a meeting and you're reliving a conversation because you didn't do the work of reflection before you walked into that meeting. So um, practically, that is... The, when I'm in my best seasons, that's that's usually my my ebb and flow. All of that has been thrown off because of COVID. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, hours just don't even matter at this point. <laughs> so what I've been trying to do, um, I, I know for seasons of my life, it was weird, Doug. I At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I would just feel a calling in my spirit to find myself alone with the Lord. Um, and I, and I, I don't know if you remember that, but we actually that. had a conversation mm-hmm. where it was, I almost felt convicted because I would wake up in the morning and just, it was dry and there wasn't much there. But then about two o'clock in the afternoon, I would just get this overwhelming sense, like grab your Bible, grab your journal, hit a closet and, and just be there. And I, I needed a mentor in my life to kind of speak into that being okay, like, that it didn't look like everybody else. So that's kind of what I've been doing. And I think this is helpful for some of our listeners to hear, John, because I I do think, I I don't want to make sweeping statements of, man, everybody's in lockdown, everybody's stay at home, and people are watching Netflix 12 hours a day and they don't know what to do with their lives. You're an example. You're working more hours now. Yeah. And because I we work closely together, and so I'm watching it. You're not only leading a church, but you're my right hand as this whole multiply family of churches. And so you're leading um, to large degrees what our online presence is looking like, our video, our voice into the community, our social media, all of that. So you're probably physically working more hours during this season yeah. than you did even even before then, and just and just the challenge. And so I just think that's super helpful for people to hear of. Um, this season, this season may mean extremes in one way yeah, or the yeah. other. And, and I, I'm going to be honest, the first two to th- two and a half weeks of this, it wasn't healthy. Like I, I legitimately for the first time in 20 years looked at my wife and she looked over at me and said, you can't keep it. You can't keep doing this. Like it was a real conversation to which I had a real conversation with you. And it wasn't anything that anybody was putting on me. It was what I was putting on myself and a return, what helped me was a return to Sabbath, as Ashley mentioned earlier. Before COVID, I had a really clear Sabbath plan. Fridays are my day off. The kids are at school. I did eight. My, my schedule was laid out for me. I had some open times that were a little flexible, but there was no work. I mean, it, I was adamant about it. Then COVID hit, and for those three weeks, it's funny. 
I was quick to sacrifice Sabbath. Well, I've put it back in in the last week and a half to two weeks now, and I'm just going to tell you I'm more effective with it in than when I am not with it out. So, um, yeah, for those of you who are running an unusual pace, it is, it is worth you slowing down enough to create a Sabbath rhythm, um, and you will be more effective when you do. So we're talking about the power of synthesis and specifically how uh, intentionally carving out a period of reflection in our lives helps our brain take those puzzle pieces and put them together. So you, I start seeing the big picture. Oh, this is how marriage works. This is how being a good friend uh, works. This is how being a, a, a child of God works. And what I want to do is I want to give you, Ashley alluded to this, but I want to give you a grid. I want to give you practical, this is a practical grid that you can implement during, we, we're still going to be on lockdown for a couple more weeks, it looks like. And uh, for those of you that, that do have a little bit more time, I would encourage you again, evaluate everything. Well, that's great, Doug. What does that look like? Let me give you three categories. Ashley mentioned them, but here's the three categories. The first category is just essential. This is essential. I know that is an overused buzzword. I'm not talking about uh, what's an essential job or what's an essential business and what's not. Here's my definition for you for essential. I would die for this. Essential. I would die for this. Suddenly that category got pretty small. Number two would be things that are important. And three is the category of clutter. So, so before, um, dur during COVID, you're not probably doing everything that you did um, uh, before COVID. Or during COVID, you're not doing everything before. So before you just pick everything back up, before your calendar gets over full again, I would encourage you to evaluate everything in your life. What's essential, what's important, and what's, clutter. Um, Ashley talked about clutter. John, you found this, but there's, there are, this is interesting. There are 48,500 storage units in the United States of America, which is more than McDonald's and Starbucks combined. The average cost of a storage unit is $88.85. You invest that for 12 years in a good educational savings account, and you've got $25,000. I don't think we realize as a culture what the clutter in our lives, number one, how much space it's taking up, and two, how much it's costing us. And so we just live with it. I'm going to live with this clutter. It's not really taking up that much room in my closet, in my basement, in my mind, in my life. And so we just have, we've learned to live with clutter. Um, Ashley, why, why, why is it so hard to declutter? And I'm not talking about your closet. I'm talking about just our lives. Why is it so hard to declutter our lives? I think that um, it all kind of comes to, down to where we find our importance. And so if I believe that the activities that I do bring value to who I am, then I'm going to want to do more activities. Or if I believe that my relationship status is going to bring value to who I am, then I'm going to be more invested in what might be toxic relationships because I'm afraid of losing them. Whereas if I really believe that I am who God says I am, that stuff can still be important because relationships are great. I'm sure. not, some of the clutter can still be important once right. you reevaluate it. But um, if it's giving us our value, then we want to hold on to it more than if we really understand, yeah, God 
God calls me his daughter, and he sacrificed a lot for me, and he delights in me. So none of this other stuff needs to matter if I really understand that. So, so some of the things that we walk through are just, you know, some, some practical things and, and um, some categories. There's a hundred categories that you could evaluate, but I think now would be a good time to evaluate your relationships. Like what, what might be some clutter relationships? Who are some people that are holding you down and holding you back? Who are the people that when you tell your dreams to, uh, they're not supportive of your dreams? What are, what are some negative thought patterns, some, some old habits that don't match who you want to become? And what about things like kids' activities, sports, career, house, car, 401k, uh, preferences, political opinions, old, old wineskins, old ways of doing things? And then, um, you know, for those of us of, of faith, church, family, and Jesus, like what, what did the, what, where do those go? Are those clutter in your lives or are they important or are they essential? And then we talked about just three practical steps. Once you evaluate, once you evaluate three steps of number one, having the courage to get rid of that clutter bin. Um, what's, the, what's the decluttering show where it tells you to take all of your clothes at the beginning of the year and turn the hanger around? And if that. you don't, do you really do that? I Does do, it but work? then there are a couple things that I really like that are tied to memories. <laughs> so even though I won't wear them again, I still flip the hanger back over. <laughs> but it does help. It does. So you so you turn the hanger, and it, it, it doesn't it basically go like in the course of a year if you haven't worn it and yeah, flip the so hanger. Yeah, so you flip you all the hangers backwards, and then every time you wear something, you hang it back up the right way, and then by the end of the year, you know what are those things that you aren't wearing that are yeah. just taking up space. I think that's Marie Kondo. Am I right in saying that? This has been around longer than her, but she oh. is the the popular... The person who made it popular. Get rid of things, okay. yeah. So so getting rid, having courage to get rid of the, the clutter bin, unless it is a T-shirt that ties you back to summer camp in your... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do have closet. summer camp T-shirts. Absolutely. <laughs> my whole closet. And that, that's how you know you've been in ministry a long yeah. time when all of your T-shirts are church T-shirts, summer yeah. camp T-shirts, missions trip T-shirts... Yeah, yeah, which all is of them. all all of that stuff. So having the courage to to get rid of that clutter bin. Um, second, reevaluating and put in po- putting in proper perspective the important bin. And one of the so let me just keep digging here. Um, one of the ways that you can tell how important. So well, the, Doug, this is essential in my life. Well, I would ask the follow up question: How much calendar time and money are you spending on oh. that item? And your calendar, your calendar doesn't lie and your checking account doesn't lie. It will, if you go back over this last year, so maybe here's your, try to be real practical here. Go back over, take the last three months um, uh, and maybe, maybe let's do this. Take the last three months pre, pre-COVID. To go, so go to March 15th and rewind and go back over your calendar and go back over your checking account. Where was the majority of your time spent and where was the majority of your money spent? That's what's essential. That's what's essential to you. What church is essential? Well, why were you only there one Sunday out of the, out of the month? Um, you know, and you, you pick the categories for your, I'm a pastor, so I'm harping on you for that. But, but, but why, <laughs> you know, why, 
you you can your emotions can tell you one thing, but check check the facts. That's one another thing we're learning during COVID. Check check your facts, right? Because if you make decisions based on bad data. And I'll try not to go on a rant here uh, about bad data. <laughs> but if you make decisions based on bad data, bad data, then then you're making decisions that are affecting your life. We're out of time. John and Ashley, thank you so much. Again, we've been talking about synthesis, the power of synthesis and the power of reflection. And I want to encourage you again to take some time, carve out some time to not just analyze things, but to synthesize things, sleep well, play well, reflect, evaluate what's essential, what's important, what's clutter, get rid of that clutter so that you can, um, so, so here's one more thing, one more thing, I'm over my time, but if you had, uh, talk about getting rid of clutter, if you took that puzzle, that 500 piece puzzle, and somebody else dumped two other 500 piece puzzles on top of that, I used to do that. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Is that like the and you would put all three together at the same time. Yeah. You Infinitely are. harder. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't even it enjoy it. So <laughs> I just like much. a challenge. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We're already over time. <laughs> For the rest of you out there, don't do that. Yeah, I don't even recommend it. I feel the anxiety rising right. in the room right now. But take this time to declutter. Like that's what that's the way some of you are living. You're living trying to put a puzzle together, and you got so many other puzzle pieces, and they don't even belong there with the picture that God is trying to paint in your life and the chapter of the story that God's trying to write. He's trying to paint a beautiful picture and he's trying to write a really good chapter of this story of your yeah. life and you got some puzzle pieces that don't belong. I, I want to encourage you. Um, just let me pastor you for a moment. I want to encourage you. Have the courage to declutter so that it will create space for God to put some things together in your life and to con connect some dots that need to be connected. Thank you so much for listening to the Interabang Room. Hey, leave us a review. Share this with somebody who needs it. Don't forget to like and subscribe so that you don't miss the content. We'll be with you next week. Uh, keep loving Jesus and changing the world. Mm -hmm.